We've had um, a great time in our Acts sermon series. So if you're just joining us, we began the fall season looking at the book of Acts. And many would call the book uh, the Acts of the Apostles. But others, myself included, look at it as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Working through the apostles, but it's no doubt a beautiful display of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Now, as we've been unpacking each lesson, it's come to my attention that there there have been some who've been a little bit, you know, uh, felt disconnected as we would teach about the Holy Spirit, one of our themes. And like, who is the Spirit? And, you know, we hear about these different expressions about the Spirit. And I would be in the camp to admit that I grew up with some misunderstandings about the Holy Spirit. So we said, let's take a little pause and circle back and go a little bit deeper, unpacking some of the mysteries and misunderstandings about the Holy Spirit. If you're with us for the first time, you may be thinking, why are they making a big deal about this? Well, prayerfully, as we go through this session today, you'll get the point that the Holy Spirit is a big deal. We're doing this not in sermon style, so I'm not up in the pulpit. Uh, We have a part of our teaching here at Solano is called Gospel Academy. And usually we get together on a Wednesday night and we look at different biblical topics or books of the Bible or Uh, We just did one recently with Brother Kyle on evangelism. It's our time to get interactive in the word so that we might get stronger and get grounded. So we'll do this teaching about the Holy Spirit in Gospel Academy style. We're going to interact. So interact means I share and you share. We share together, right? So when I ask questions and stuff, it's not rhetorical. So we got a mic. My man, producer, Elder John, is going to do deep dash and uh, interact with us, okay? So we started last week. Last week, we took some time to reflect on two important questions. Um, Who is the Holy Spirit to you? And what baggage do you have about the Holy Spirit? And I, I love some of the sharing. It was beautiful, transparent, honest sharing. I want to make sure we in a recap, establish some things clearly about the question, who is the Holy Spirit to you? So important because we got to get this like straight because if we talk about other, these other ideas, we might miss something. Who is the Holy Spirit to you? I want to be clear about that, all right? The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God, and that's not a no-duh statement, right? The Holy Spirit is God. So if that be true, what are the implications of that? That would mean the Holy Spirit is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. 
The Holy Spirit is God. There's some passages of Scripture that have been helpful to me. Um, the omnipresence of God. In Psalm 139, 7-13 speaks to that. The omniscience of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2 and 10. The omnipotence of the Spirit. Luke chapter 1, verse 35. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. That helped me, right, to get like a handle on who the Spirit is. He's the Spirit of Christ. 1 Peter 1 and 11 and Galatians 4 and 6 talk about the Spirit of Christ. Here's a little tidbit to help you see this. So we know Jesus. We understand Jesus. And Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples about the Holy Spirit, he spent quite a bit of time in the Gospels teaching about the Spirit for his disciples to understand the big deal of who he was and who he would be. And he told them on one occasion, it's to your advantage that I go away. I got to leave. But I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to ask the Father, and he will send another comforter. That word another, in the original language, Greek, means same as. Same as. So basically, Jesus is saying, I'm going to leave, and the Father and I will send a carbon copy of myself to be not just with you, Lionel, but he'll be in you. Same as the spirit, my spirit will dwell within you. Now, spirit, the Holy Spirit is a spirit. It means he doesn't have a body. We can't see him. Now, maybe this is where people got confused growing up, like myself, because growing up, there were these images we would, we would read about in Scripture about the Spirit descending upon Jesus like a dove, being compared to wind and fire, these inanimate objects. And so for me as a kid, you're thinking, this is it. It. The thing. No. The Holy Spirit is a divine person that doesn't have a body because he's a spirit, which is why he looks for our bodies to indwell. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? God has made his home within us. God has made his home within us. The Holy Spirit is God. Why is that a big deal? Man, I tell you, because for me growing up, um, yeah, I heard about the Trinity, the word we use to describe the Godhead. And the Holy Spirit was always the third person of the Trinity. The third person, third person, third person, third person. Third person. I'm like, you know, I think I, I prefer he's a member of the Godhead and is a part of the Trinity. Because this third person thing kind of worked in my head to think of him as a lesser God, the third guy. And nobody likes being the third wheel. Come on, right? Who wants to be the third wheel? And you come along, yeah, 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 I'm going out. You go out with somebody special, and you bring along your little brother <laughs> or your little sister. That's how we've treated the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you know, 
like an attached garage. Great to have one, but if you don't, it's okay, you'll get by. <laughs> no, the Holy Spirit is God. If that be the truth, what are the implications of that? Who is the Holy Spirit to you? Is he God? I've had myself, went to Bible school, thought I was doing myself a favor. You know, I get there, and they're teaching me about the Holy Spirit. And it's like, no, we don't pray to the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want attention. Because his job is to give glory to Christ. True. But that attention thing, I'm told to worship God in spirit and in truth. So unless my spirit is ignited by the Holy Spirit, I can't even worship God. I was told you don't pray to the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Because, you know, he didn't want attention. Because, you know, like the Godhead, they'll have an argument. Why are you getting all the attention, man? They keep praying. They're supposed to be praying. I don't think that's how it works. I really believe they can work that out within themselves. My job is to worship. My job, our job, is to worship God. What are the implications of that on your prayer life? Do you realize, as, as it was shared in our scripture reading, the Holy Spirit's role in prayer? And we're not to pray to him? Well, Praise God that he knows and prays for us. So here's my question as we start. What does that mean for you? How does that impact your understanding of who the Holy Spirit is as God? Anybody? Processing that? Can I get an external processor? Because I know you're thinking, I know. But this isn't about being polite. This is okay. Oh, my man, Pablo. I knew Pablo would help us out. What does that mean to you, Pablo? God. If God, the Holy Spirit, isn't alive, hmm. then I don't have the Spirit within me. But he is alive in me, yes. and he's active. Hmm. And, you know, when, I, when it comes down to everything comes down, He's always there, and he never, he never forsakes me. Yeah. And he is the Holy Spirit yeah. all the way. All the way. Never leave you. When Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you, never. But wait a minute. Wait, did you just say you're about to go? Yeah, I did say that, didn't I? Uh, so what do I mean by that? What I meant was because, hey, I'm going to send the carbon copy of me who will be not just with you, like I've been with you. I've been with you guys, but I'm leaving. But no, I was going to send one who will be in you that way for sure. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Without the Spirit, we'd be abandoned orphans. But the Spirit's presence seals us and keeps us in line for our spiritual inheritance. We're sealed. We're sealed. It's a big deal. Because with that understanding, these two mysteries we were talking about, if we miss out on that, these next two will really have your head off and spinning. 
What is baptism of the Holy Spirit then? And what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? These are two terms that come out all through the book of Acts. So we're reading this stuff, and people are like just reading through it, speaking in tongues and healing people. I mean, the Spirit was so heavy and present in Peter's life, he could just walk by people, and they get healed. Is that just for those times? Is that not for now? So, what is baptism of the Holy Spirit? You ever heard that term before? We talked about it a little bit last week, but I see there's a, quite a few people that weren't here last week. So I want to make sure we're all on the same page and not just be speaking Christianese and people just get lost. What is baptism of the Holy Spirit? What do you think it means? What do you think it means? All right, sister. Um, so I would say when we do baptism in water, yes, like Jesus did, it's a physical moment where we surround ourselves physically in water. And it says that we go down and we're like buried with Christ. And when we come back up, we're like a new life and a yeah. new creation. So it's like a physical process of being covered and then coming out a new life. So when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's a mental, emotional, soulful process where our soul gets surrounded spiritually and mentally in the Holy Spirit so that our mind is now a new creation. Mm, that's beautiful. All right. Anyone else? Oh, there's a hand back there. Could you pass that to us? So I believe I experienced um, the Holy Spirit when I um, first um, visited a church, and it was a baptismal ceremony, and I just feel God's presence. And I didn't. I wasn't a Christian then. It was my first time, and I just was has this relief that. Oh, there is a God. <laughs> and I, I, I don't have to work so hard. It's just like, I just like, I was just, my makeup, everything was all ruined, and I didn't know what happened. <laughs> I, I didn't know what's going on, and I just ran out of there because I was invited by someone there, and then I go to that church. I don't know anybody there. And then um, when this, um, lady that was getting baptized and she was reading a verse and I didn't quite understand what was she reading I didn't even remember what verse was it but I just it just something just down on me and then it just so I think that's a baptismal of Holy Spirit okay, yeah, as an experience yeah. what's your name? Cindy Cindy nice to meet you Cindy nice thank you for sharing Baptism of the Holy Spirit. It could be a mystery for many, hard to explain, like what that was. But I want to help you and help you be grounded in a biblical understanding of what baptism of the Holy Spirit is. Do we have that slide that talks about it? At the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit places a believer in union with Christ. 
and in union with the body of Christ. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is one of the two most beautiful gifts that we receive from Jesus at salvation. We receive two gifts. The first is the gift of forgiveness of sins. When we come and we, by faith, believe that Jesus' work at the cross is dying, being buried, and resurrection has now, because he took on our sin, has now bought us eternal life. We're forgiven of our sins. It's an amazing gift. No striving. Also, we receive at salvation the gift of the Holy Spirit, whereby the Spirit takes us, well, actually, Jesus takes us, baptizes us into the Holy Spirit, and now we're, oh my, the, the, the benefits of that, well, one is that we're now in union with Christ. We're now joint heirs with Jesus, as we read in Scripture. And we're now a part of this family of God because now the Spirit resides in you and me, uniting us, making us. So we're now in Christ, but also in the Spirit. The two are synonymous. To be in Christ and be in the Spirit, it's the same thing. We've been baptized. Now, baptism, my sister mentioned about water baptism. Water baptism is now the outward expression of what just happened internally. Beyond our being conscious of it, what happened is now the Spirit has now taken up residence within us. We've been baptized into the Spirit. We've been regenerated, made alive. To show that to the world, we go through water baptism. That's how the two are different, but how they work together. An outward expression of what we've experienced internally. Baptism generally has two different, I'm sorry, four different parts. There's a baptizer, the person being baptized, the element they're being baptized into, and then the purpose. So in the New Testament, this term baptism of the Spirit is used seven times. Seven times. Four of those times are in the Gospels. Each of the Gospel writers speaks about John the baptizer, or sometimes known John the Baptist. Jesus' cousin, remember him? Okay. Now, he predicts each of those times in the gospel the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, who would be a baptizer. Not only did Jesus get baptized, but he's predicted to also baptize. So, let's do some, some uh, Bible reading. I need two readers, all right? Someone to find... Matthew 3:11 and another person to find John 1:33 Matthew 3 verse 11 John the first chapter 33rd verse All right when you got those I want to hear so who's got Matthew 
Thank you, sir. Could you read that up for us, Matthew? I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Oh, mm, thank you. Who's got the John passage? We got John? Oh, there it is, my man Aaron. Could you pass it over to Aaron, please? John, first chapter, 33rd verse. What does it say, Ryan? Aaron? 133, you said? Yes, sir. All right. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Good. So what do you get from those verses? What do you get from those verses? What are you hearing being taught, predicted? Yes, ma'am. Irene. Tracy, could you pass over to Irene? I hear that Jesus will baptize people with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. What else is in there? That John baptized with water. Uh-huh. So, four parts of baptism. The baptizer. So, in context of John, John is the baptizer. The people that came were the ones being baptized. He would baptize them into water. For what purpose? What was John's big ministry about? What was the purpose of his baptism? Who said that? Repentance. Yes. Now, flip the script. Baptism of the Spirit. Who's the baptizer? Jesus is the baptizer now. Who gets baptized? Us. Right. We, okay, okay. Just make sure we're on the same page. We, we get baptized. Into what? Into who? To the Spirit. Jesus baptizes us into the Spirit for what purpose? Yes. And with the body. Uniting us with himself and with the body. So now we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And the implications of that are amazing. We're now sealed. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit, because the Spirit is present, the Spirit is God, will never let go of us. That's important for you to hear. So this idea of losing our salvation. Well, when David was saying, David was saying, you know, take not your spirit from me, you know. Sounded better when David sang it. Um, but the idea that the Spirit was, would leave him. Well, in Old Testament times, the Spirit, under the Old Testament covenant kind of way, worked differently. Where the Spirit would come upon, but also would leave. But in the New Covenant, when Jesus came, as predicted, to baptize us with the Spirit, that was permanent. Permanent. We are permanently 
sealed and indwelt with the Holy Spirit through the baptism. And one baptism. One baptism. Because there is a teaching and a theology of a second baptism of the Holy Spirit. A baptism that happens after you've been converted, whereby you receive this deeper experience with the Holy Spirit that's beyond words. So outward expressions would be gifts of the Spirit, some of the supernatural gifts like speaking in tongues or maybe prophecy, a deeper love for Scripture. You're like what I would call, you just lit. Woo! And many will call that a second baptism because it happened after they were saved. With that, that's caused for a lot of people confusion and I believe a lot of harm in the body of Christ. This idea of a second baptism. I mentioned before, the word, the phrase is only used seven times in the New Testament. Four times in the Gospels, twice in the book of Acts, And both of those times were referring back to, well, the first is when Jesus said to the the, uh, disciples before he left that they're to wait for just a few days before you're baptized with the Spirit. And then within those 10 days at Pentecost, the Spirit came. Later, Peter references that same incident at Pentecost. So twice there, that made six. The only other time it's mentioned is in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. Got that slide that talks about four in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews and Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. This is the seventh and only other time it's mentioned in the New Testament. Nowhere is it mentioned, commanded, taught that we're to receive a second baptism. Be ye baptized again. No. This verse is used, though, in the Pentecostal theology to justify a second baptism because the wording, for in one spirit. Now, in the English translations, the in is sometimes replaced with with, which would give the same meaning. For with one spirit. You've been all baptized. Some English translations use by in place of in. For by one spirit, we were all baptized. That becomes a game changer. What would that mean? What would that mean? For by one spirit. What's that? Yeah, it should be with, but some English translations use by. So with it being by, the baptizer changes. When it, we just said when it's with or in, Jesus is the baptizer. And he baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, or with the Holy Spirit, like John baptized with water or in water. To say that by the Spirit, it changes the baptizer to the Holy Spirit. 
For by the Spirit we've been baptized. So the second baptism means the Holy Spirit baptizes us within himself. And we get this fuller, we get more of the Spirit. And I'm saying, based on Scripture, we don't get more of the Spirit when the Spirit, who is the person, came, he came and gave his all. We didn't get parts of the Spirit. And later on, we get some more. Like we got the leg, and then later we get the, 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 the arm, or then the head. No! He's the person. And so the Spirit indwells us fully. So then how do we explain all those experiences then? How do I explain my experience? After I got saved, I mean, I was a church boy, so I would say, please. I, I met Jesus when I was four, three or four. Got really deep when I got older. But after, just as I was beginning my ministry, I had this awesome assignment to be a chaperone leader at a lock-in. Anybody heard of lock-ins? Okay, so lock-ins, for those who don't know, are these uh, youth events where young people are like, you go to the church, you got your sleeping bags, you got all this stuff, and you got your good friends, and you're just going to be locked in the church overnight. And it's games, it's singing, it's games, it's food, it's games, everything to keep those youth awake. And together, in eyes distance, you know, where are they waiting? You know, and so I'm like, oh, goodness, I'm so nervous because I know how I was as a youth and I know the youth. So, okay, so as I prayed that week coming, I was praying. I was praying. I was like reading scripture and just pleading with God, please, I need your power. I need because I heard that you could do that. So I'm praying. And when it came that Friday night, as I said before, I was lit. I was so woo. Ain't nothing getting past me. <laughs> I'm just excited. Let's, 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 let's talk about Jesus. Come on. How, how old are you? What's your name? You know, we're talking. We're sharing scripture. I'm singing. You know, it's just, oh, I was so excited. I was pumped. Two days later, I'm still lit. <sighs> you know? That was real. That was, n- no. It was, I know it was real. And so in my mind, I thought that was what they called the second baptism. But having a few years now and some glasses, (laughs) I did a little studying and researching and learning, and that's not what that was. What millions of others have experienced, and myself included, was not a second baptism. There is one baptism. A better way to express, explain what I and millions of others have experienced, maybe many of you, in fact, is, well, what do you think it is? Pablo? We're possessed, I mean, possessed by the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's in us. Mm -hmm. we're possessed. 
Yes, but I know when people hear the word possessed, they get a little bit nervous. <laughs> whoa, 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 Paolo. <laughs> no. <laughs> that, <laughs> that just means, honestly, in the real sense, the spirit has taken up residence. We're under the spirit's control. So what's happened is we've been, why am I using that when I have this? Um, we've experienced a filling of the spirit. Filled with the Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit. And there's a definition for that. When believers surrender to the control of the Holy Spirit, resulting in a deeper intimacy with God through prayer and Scripture, and receive a greater power for a godly life and effective witnessing. Filled with the Spirit. Emphasis on... Surrender. Believers surrender. Hmm. Now that's where we lose people, right? That one, that surrender stuff. What does it mean to surrender? Give up. Woo. You ever played arm wrestling with your big brother or your cousin or your uncle? Ooh. <laughs> My bad, my bad, I'm sorry, ladies. I was getting to that. I was going to say sister. And you find yourself surprised at her strength. And you're looking at her, and she's looking at you. And then before it gets too bad, like you break your arm or something, you say what? I surrender. Uh, no, uncle, <laughs> I surrender. Yeah. My point is, that's the place believers have to get to when it comes to being filled with the Spirit. Replace that word with thirsty, hungry. When believers hunger and are thirsty for God by his Spirit, and that looks like control. Surrender. So in that, we don't get more of the Spirit, like I said before. What happens is the Spirit gets more of us. That's been the blockage. That's been the missing piece. Us, usually. Someone said in the first service, it's when we get out of the way. <laughs> yeah, let's get out of the way. And that's a hard thing for many of us, you know. Control. We like control. But when I can reverence and see the Holy Spirit as God and all the implications with that, surrender should be something we give into. And the results, this intimacy, intimacy with God, the Spirit of God, makes the love of Jesus and the Father real. Just real. I'm not going to give you a bunch of theological words for that one. It's just real. Your worship, your time in the, in the scriptures, because he's the author, becomes so enlightening. Imagine your favorite book, your favorite author, because maybe you like the book, didn't like the author. So imagine your favorite author. And here's the invitation 
to spend time with him or her, to hear insights of their life, why they wrote this one, what was going on at the time, what was their whole point of writing this book. That's what we get with the Holy Spirit each time we have the time in the word and break open the word and we breathe life. The spirit is life. I begin to look at scripture in a whole new way and I see him all over the place. From the very beginning in Genesis, the spirit hovered over the deep. What? He was there too? But I thought he didn't come to... No. When he came at Pentecost, he was now permanently here. But he's been around making cameo appearances, being predicted. The prophets predicted that what he would do. The prophets predicted that the Spirit would be upon Jesus. That the life of Christ and ministry of Christ were impacted by the Holy Spirit. No spirit, no miracles. Jesus did miracles in the power of the Holy Spirit. What's the big deal? Is your life dry? Ever felt dry? You know? Jesus, Jesus predicts the Spirit's coming in John 7. Before that, he's, he had that interaction with the Samaritan woman at the well, remember? He promised her, sister, you know, I know you got stuff going on. He told her what she had going on. But if you only knew the gifts that I could give you, oh, my goodness. You'd be asking me, and I would give you this living water so you will never thirst again. She said, oh, give me some of that water. I'm good because I'm tired of coming to this well by myself in the heat. She still didn't get it. (laughs) What was he offering her? Eternal life. That's what I was taught. Eternal life. Yes. What else? Specifically, the Holy Spirit. Did you see that one? I didn't. Promise you. I preached a sermon when I was a kid about that one, but never mentioned the Holy Spirit. Later in John 7, he does. He gives us and he pronounces the same thing. For those that are thirsty, I will give. From him will flow living water. And Jesus was referring to the Holy Spirit. I was like, whoa. So have you ever been thirsty? Physically or spiritually thirsty? Dried up. I just can't get with it, Pastor. Scripture reading, I don't know. People, oh my gosh, people. There are people in ministry that say, you know, ministry would be awesome if it didn't involve people. Get a lot done. That love for people, you know, that hunger comes from being filled. So what does it mean to be filled? I mean, how do you get filled? Because maybe you think, I want some of that. Give me some of that water. (laughs) Because it's free. And in fact, remember, you received when you were saved. So you have the fountain within you right now. So then why am I still so thirsty, Pastor? I mean, I see the water fountain. 
There's some barriers I've found to being filled. The enemy bullies us, and we miss out on going to the fountain or recognizing the power within us. Oh, my goodness. Simply, fear, doubt, and disbelief. Fear, doubt, disbelief. Enemy, the enemy's tools that block us, that bully us from being filled, from living in the fullness of God, living in the power of God, the confidence, living in the love of God. The Father's love is made known by the Spirit. When the Spirit is active, we can cry out, Abba, Father, or just straight up layman's terms, Dad, I love you. Oh, my God, you did it again. Whoo. Not this, Father. You know, the image we have of God being this distant power, but the Spirit makes the reality of God real. So what is your barrier? Between fear, doubt, and belief, what's got you on the ropes? What has had you on the ropes these years in your life? Is it fear of being out of control? Maybe fear, like someone mentioned, fear that I'm just not good enough. I can't. I mean, I've been through, you just know what I've been through. And you don't feel like you're good enough. You just doubt that that's, that this sounds good, but that sounds like a little bit too good to be true. You doubt the love of God, the presence of God. Or you just downright don't believe it. Like, no, that is no. No, I think you're making too much of this. Now we'll become one of those, like those people. What's Solano doing? Are you going to be like one of those, those churches? Those Holy Ghost churches? You know? In the meantime, we're going through life in our own strength, in our own power. And we're missing out. Because many of us have some misunderstandings about being filled with the Spirit. We do. We got some baggage along this. Some people shared last week. Now, I ain't got no baggage with the Spirit. It's just what I've seen people do with the Spirit. And so that's what Spirit filled me. I so I grew up, and it was called catching the Spirit. Anybody heard me catching it? Catch the Holy Ghost? Well, I'm from a place where, you know, people would catch him. <laughs> My pastor would catch him on Sundays when he would get worked up about Jesus and stuff and the cross, and he'd go, woo, and he woo, he gets all, he would get emotional. He's crying, he's screaming and yelling, and his kids were like, oh, my God. Because he was a big man, and, and when he would catch it, she would catch it. So there's a woman in the back who on time would just start, wah, And she'd get to, woo. They caught it. And as a child, I'm thinking, I don't want to catch that. That's not, I ain't trying to catch that. I'm sorry. I ain't looking all crazy. And, but I, I would, <laughs> I, I've never had that much of an expression. Because it, I was sharing this with a sister last service. People think and have been taught 
that being filled looks a certain way. And if you do not show that, do that, then you're not filled. Now, only three times in Acts that people were filled with the spirit that they speak in tongues or prophesy. Only three times. So to make that the norm, the rule, is not even biblical. More times it's mentioned about being filled with no mention about speaking in tongues. So speaking in tongues is not evidence that you're being filled or that you are filled. And if you don't speak in tongues, if you don't prophesy, you're not filled. See, this second baptism and that type of theology has created a lot of harm. And this two-class Christian faith, those who have and those who have not, that has bred spiritual pride and jealousy. And even those who say, no, I just want you to experience this because it was so meaningful to me, and they're sincere in that. But it still becomes this thing, well, what if I don't? Ooh, or maybe, hmm. hmm, I don't know. Is there any sin in your life? You're not believing? I mean, no. The Spirit has been given to us all. Now, our living in the power of the Spirit becomes a matter of process. And so here's what the process looks like. I got a slide. It begins with reverence. Like I mentioned before, you and I must recognize the spirit as God and revere him. No more this little G God, you know, sidekick God, helper like lowercase h helper. You know, God, help me. Help me out. You know, we only call on God when we need help. But he's the capital H helper, the helper, without whom you can do nothing, helper. Did you get that helper? That's a different helper. Well, no, I'll just kind of, you know, consult when I need help. But do you understand? You can't breathe without him. You can't love without him. The body of Christ is suffering from depression. Hmm. Individuals and collectively, we are oftentimes depressed, heavy. I mean, the, 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 the world right now, it's enough to just make, I want to just get up in the bed, crawl up, Jesus come back. I mean, just come on, get it done. And we walk around as spiritual wimps. And this isn't to call you out, it's to, as my sister said, who call you out and live out the power within you. You don't have to run to try to find the power. It's within you. Do you reverence? And in doing so, take this humble approach to confess and repent that, you know, I haven't treated you as God. I, never, I didn't even think about it that way. I had to do that myself. Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about presenting your bodies as living sacrifices to God. Hmm. Hmm. Your bodies presented to God. God who? 
Oh, Jesus. Jesus comes in. Yes. But, and, the Spirit's looking for bodies. When that hit me, I'm like, Lord, forgive me. I just didn't see it that way. I just didn't see you that way. So now, I'm revved up to renew my commitment to you, God. My faith, my confidence in you is heightened, and I'm willing to wait with expectancy for you to come, for you to show up. I mentioned, I didn't mention in first service, but the Spirit reminded me now. The process to being filled begins first with being emptied. You got to be empty for him to fill you. And again, it's not more of him. It's him getting more of us. Let your mind get around that one for a little bit. Because what is he calling for you? What is he asking of you? What has he been asking but you've been ignoring? I want us to just close out in quiet reflection. I threw up also a slide with some good, strong uh, resources. We've been talking about this to hopefully get grounded and get healthy, but to get strong, we're going to have to, on our own, do some searching and some reading and some praying. And what's been helpful for me has been some good writings. John Stott, he's like a pastor theologian. And his little book has just wrecked my world. And it's real little. It's a little book like this. The fullness, baptism in the fullness. And he writes like a pastor. He explains things so well. Not a whole lot of stories. So he's like a theologian, just gives you the truth. But Wayne Grudem and his systematic theology does a great chapter on being filled. What does it mean to be filled? We got to get strong. So where does it begin with you? What step do you need to take? So gracious God, in the quiet of our hearts, and maybe right now in the busyness of our minds, I want to invite you by your spirit to speak, to calm to enlighten, to remind and reassure, revive and bring to life these hearts of ours and minds of ours that have been so bullied and, and dry for so long, far too long. In the meantime, there's a broken world that needs some spirit-filled witnesses, just like you ignited at Pentecost. So will you hear the cries of our heart in your name?